Good morning. Um, so if kids want to head out to reach kids, they can do that now. There's volunteers waiting in the back. It's not scary, I promise. <laughs> My wife is there, so it might be hard, but it won't be scary. Uh, <laughs> brutal. Brutal. You'll learn some stuff, that's for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I missed you last week. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, so for the next three weeks, uh, we're kind of starting a, a brief kind of short series before we jump into those God-sized questions at the end of the month. Uh, once again, fill those out. Uh, get your questions answered. But for the next three weeks, we're talking about uh, the clean slate. Now, with the new year, we recognize, we, okay, we have a sort of symbolic clean slate. Uh, it's kind of a silly clean slate. That, okay, so I don't feel any different now that the new year has come. I don't feel any healthier. Uh, you probably don't feel any more into sugary foods and, and fat. But uh, because, because the calendar tells us it's a clean slate, that alone is enough to give us this kind of freedom to, to pursue change. We have kind of breathing room. We have room for growth. We even have kind of a justification before people that we're trying harder for some reason. That if you tell your coworkers this time of year, like, no, I don't want a cookie, they, they respect that. <laughs> and they don't force you, they don't like force it down your gullet quite as forcefully. So uh, a blank slate gives us room to grow, gives us room to change. But the problem is this kind of new year clean slate, it's, it's fake. It's an arbitrary date that we chose as the first day of the year. And a rock is going around the sun and it, it gets back to where it was and now we think, okay, clean slate, like I'm going to be so much better now. Uh, but that alone is enough. We like, we feel the power of it and it's actually kind of joyful to receive. Okay, 2019, like we, we can try again. And that's where it, that, that concept is found in, in Christ. That we have a real clean slate each and every day. We have a clean slate where, where Jesus actually proclaims that, that we are clean before him. We have, we have nothing standing in our way. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that, that this week, next week, and the, and the week after that. Seeing how that clean slate kind of helps us get out of the, the past. How it helps us have freedom in the, in the present. And then have, have hope for the future. Now this week we're talking about the past. We're talking about how Jesus gives us a clean slate in the past. And today we're talking about this kind of concept of, of being a new creation. A new man, a new woman, a new person in Christ. And so with that kind of theme in mind, let's all turn to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 21. Now if you don't want to turn, either it's up there too. So if you're feeling lazy, go, go for that. Um, it really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> But if you want to turn to the pages, that's good too. Um, so we're in 2 Corinthians 5, looking at verses 14 through 21. Read with me. 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ controls us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, as we think about how Christ transforms who we are and turns us into new creatures, I ask that you give us understanding, first of all, but that you would give us um, true understanding that our hearts would believe that we are the new creations that are offered in Christ and that we would live as those new creations, we would see each other as new creations, that we would have such freedom from our past sin and our, even our past good works that this blank slate would propel us forward. That we have great joy in knowing that there's nothing holding us back. And that we are not seen in the past, but in our present in Christ. Father, would you help us to, to receive these things by the Spirit? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So first of all, first of all, uh, we have the ultimate clean slate in the fact that Jesus makes us new creations. New creations. Let's look at verse 14 again. We have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. All right, what are we talking about there? All right, this is just a summary of the gospel, of the work of Jesus, what he has done for us. And what we're saying here is that Jesus died. And that when we put our faith in Jesus, we died with him on that cross. We died with him on that cross. And therefore, when Jesus rose to life, we rose with him. We died with him, we rose with him. That's the gospel. That we have already died to sin and we are alive in Christ. We didn't have anything to do with it. We just had to put our faith in Jesus. We are united to him. His work counts for us. Now Paul then is going to explain what that means for us. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right, what, what Paul's saying there is that the old you, the you in the past, the you according to your flesh, according to, to all your past deeds, all your, your past mess-ups, all your past sins, all of those died with Christ. Your old self died with Jesus and is dead and forever dead. 
And that now we are new creations. We are resurrected from the dead, new creatures. All right, why does that matter? All right, so we talk about being forgiven for our sins. We want our sins washed away, taken away from us. All right, it's even, it's more than that. It's more than that. The, the person that we were is dead. Our sins are not just wiped away. They're, they're dead and, and that of a, a totally different person. We're no longer regarded. There's no relationship there. That's the gospel. They were completely new. That's the clean slate. The clean slate is that you have a brand new, perfect, shiny, spotless life before you. Now, that, that's a benefit to, to two types of people. All right, first. First, this is a benefit to the person who looks back on their past life and all they feel is shame and guilt. And they look back and they're embarrassed at what they see. When we look back and we just see all of the mistakes we made, all of the ways we rejected God, all of the way we, ways we hurt people, and what Jesus is saying is, that old self that did all of those things is dead and is not you any longer. All right, what does that mean? First of all, it means all that debt and baggage you have from the past is gone. And there's not many ways to get out of debt, but dying is one of them. All right, if you die, you don't have to pay your debt anymore. It's, it's the roughest way, but that's how it works. All right, uh... This is, this is what we're talking about. Okay, so you had this, you had this huge guilt. Guilt debt and, and shame debt and sin debt. But you've died to it. And there's nothing worse than you, you meet someone who, who says they're a follower of Christ and they're trying to pursue Jesus, but the whole motivation is shame and guilt. And they're constantly just saying, like, like I, just, I just need to like make up for all the things that I used to do. I'm, I'm trying to to fix the past or, or repay God because I've been so evil. Or, no, it's none of that. That old man is dead. That old woman is dead. And you don't have to, to bear the burden of that debt any longer. That you're not regarded according to the flesh, according to what that dead person did. Stop trying to pay it back. You don't have to. Right. It also means it also means that we're no longer enslaved to the things that we're enslaved to as the old man. Now, what does he say here? He says, uh, "For the love of Christ controls us, that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died and was raised." All right. So it's not only that okay, like that old person is dead, but now you actually have power. So New Year's New Year's gives us no power. We're exactly the same as we were before. All right, that's not how Christ tries to change us. He, he, he gives us true power. He gives us himself. And he gives us something to love, to love himself. To love Jesus and gives us motivation why we should actually turn away from our sin and pursue him. That's the whole point. And that's where, okay, some of you don't believe that you actually have new power in Christ. And you look back on your life and you, you say, okay, I have the, I feel like I should have all of this power. But I look back and I'm, I'm still struggling with the exact same sins. My life still looks exactly the same. 
All right, I have to challenge that and say, okay, you might be blind to your own sin and blind to the growth that you've had in the Spirit. This is a matter not of, not of if it's true for you. This is a matter of faith. That the Holy Spirit has been given us. We do have power over sin. And if we're, we can look long enough and look at our hearts deep enough, we will see that we have changed. Maybe not the way we thought we would. Maybe not the ways that we wanted to. But the Holy Spirit is working. He is changing. He is giving us power to not be those old people that we were before. That's a promise. That's not something we do. Now, if you're in that category, this is good news. Because you don't have to worry about that old person anymore. They are long gone. They are dead. They are buried. You can leave everything behind. All right, but there's a second kind of person who needs this. And ironically, this is the person who doesn't get excited about this message. Because they hear it and they say, well, I don't really care. My old man seems fine. I feel like I'm good enough. Why, why do I need a, a brand new life, a new creation? Right, I want to convince you that you do. Because first of all, all right, your old life, maybe you've been good. And you've been like a nice Christian person, maybe just a nice general person. And you like, like America and you, you know, you like, like football and baseball because like those are our sports that no one else plays and we, we kind of do it because we're into it. Uh, and we're like, you know, we're just kind of nice and we don't murder people. And you're like, okay, we're good. Uh, That's not the standard. All right. That really isn't the standard. If we're looking at the standard of God, it is perfection. Not adequate. Not good. It's perfect. Perfect holiness. Perfect righteousness. Perfect heart motives. Perfect love for Jesus. And as long as we still hold out and think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. The old man is 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 enough. The old man is good enough. First of all, we will not fulfill the expectations of God. We cannot. And we do not. And that's where we instead look to the, a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. That we cannot muster. And as long as we keep trying to be good enough and adequate, we will never be perfect. We will never be truly holy. We will never be truly glorious. And that's where Paul, he, he talks about this in Philippians 3. Because he was a pretty good guy. He was a very religious person, very devout, a good of, as religious a person as they come. And he's reflecting to the people about his lifetime of just kind of like perfection according to the law, as much as he could, he could muster. And he finally says this. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. He's looking about his whole life and he says, no, it, I, I count it all as a loss. No, take it, leave it. And he goes on to say that all those good things that I thought were good things, they are rubbish and trash and waste. They are worthless nothing. 
And he says, I will throw all of that away. I will, I will kill the old man if I might have the righteousness by faith that is given to me in Christ, the righteousness of God. Not a righteousness of my own, not a righteousness of, from the law, the righteousness of God given to me. That's all that I want. When we think about our past life, all of our good works, those are things we need to bury in the grave. We need to leave those things behind and kill them because they are killing us. As long as we're holding on to those things for righteousness, we are going to perish. We need a righteousness that is outside of us from God alone through Jesus. All right. Now, I need to, I need to clarify something, because, uh, bless you, because uh, as, we, as we think about this, for those of you who have been in the church for a while, when I talk about the, the old man and the new man, you have a certain conception in your mind. And you think, okay, the old man, the, the old woman, the old creation was before I came to faith in Jesus. And then I, I put my faith in Jesus. I believed on the cross. I saw him as God. I saw him as a sacrifice for my sin. I saw him as my perfection. And then I became the new man, the new woman. And, and I started trying to live this holy life. And the problem is that a lot of you have been there for a little while. Some of you have been there for a long while. And you've gathered even more guilt and shame than you ever knew you had before. And we start to think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe the, I didn't get the new man. What happened? Or we think, okay, well, maybe I am good enough. And we start living out of that self-righteousness again. And we start working for it once again. And that's where Jesus never stops. His work does, never stops applying to our lives. So we have this passage that talks about how God's mercy is new every morning. And I think of it as like, oh, I like wake up in the morning and it's a new day. It's a new me. Like all that sin that I did yesterday is behind me and now I'm moving on with a new day. But it's more than that. Because that's, okay, we don't have enough time. We'll be condemned by the end of the day. If we don't, if we don't die at the right time in the morning, then we're going to, we're done. No, so, okay, the work of Christ applies every hour, every minute, every second. It's as if at, at, at every moment we're like leaving dead corpses in our, in our midst as we're walking through the day because like that old Peter just keeps dying and dying and dying and, and this is the, the new creation Peter who is free from sin. That's what the gospel is. There's no point where it's like, okay, you've had Christ, now just live your life in perfection. Go, go work harder. No, every second it's, no, you're seen in Christ and not in you. You're seen in Christ and not in you. You have the perfection and righteousness of Jesus. This second, all that sin in the past is, is gone and dead. And we're thankful for that because like, within the last 10 minutes, you've probably sinned 100 times. You know, you like sang half-heartedly and you like judged the neighbor next to you and you like had bitter thoughts about being here. All that stuff. Like we, we gather all this sin together and, and what we're saying is that no, the, that old you is dead even now. And every second you have a clean slate 
because you are seen in Jesus, not in yourself, not in your flesh, not because of your works. Now that gives us such freedom. If you want room to, to grow and room to breathe and room to just worship and be joyful and excited, that's it. That every second before you is a clean slate that you can change. And you can love Jesus because he's given it to you. That's what we're saying. That's the freedom and the joy of knowing Jesus. I want to call us, like, is that how you think about your relationship with God? You're totally clean, totally perfect in his sight, totally righteous. That sounded really uh, surfer bro. <laughs> totally righteous. All right. uh, <laughs> um, but that, that is the reality. That, that's, that's where you stand before him. And there's nothing you can do to mess it up. All right. The world out there will not tell you that. Oftentimes the church in here will not tell you that. But that's what's true. You'll have people in your life who want to continually remind you of your sin and of how broken you are and how imperfect you are. They're seeing you according to the flesh. And you need to, you need to no, I'm seen in Christ and in Christ alone. Nothing but Jesus matters. You'll have, your, your past life will come creeping up, haunting you. Past decisions, past mistakes, past condemnations. Telling you, like, no, no, see yourself in the flesh. See yourself as you used to be. You need to kill those things. Kill them with the old man. Those are not you anymore. That's the gospel. All right. So Paul goes on. He has more to say about this. Um, now I want us to sit, sit in how it feels to be treated like that before God. Like the joy of knowing that. The freedom of knowing that. But this passage isn't primarily about ourselves. It's not first and foremost about you feeling forgiven by you. It's actually calling you to treat other people who are in Christ as new creations. And that's where the rubber hits the road because you're willing to receive all of this forgiveness and like, oh yeah, just like treat me like this new creation. But then the person who hurt you or the person who sinned against you or the person who, who keeps doing the same sins can you treat them like the new creation they are in Christ? That, that's what Paul is calling us to. Or are you going to be kind of the, the constant reminder of guilt and shame? Are you going to be the person who is constantly calling people to, to fix themselves and to get better? Or are you going to be the one that sees believers in Christ in spite of their sin as kings and queens in the kingdom of God? as clothed in the righteousness of Christ, as ones that, that God himself delights in. The people in this room who are believers in Christ, they are, they are eternal beings dwelling in the, the midst of the throne of God underneath the seraphim. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's who we are in Christ. And we're called to treat each other like that. Now, some special groups when we think about this. Um, 
There are people in your lives who it's going to be hard to treat like that. Namely, family for, family for me. All right, so your parents, your parents. Your parents have all sinned against you. And you all have hang-ups and you're messed up because of your parents. All right, there's this... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Just reminding you. Uh, uh, all right, and there's this, there's this trend where it's like, okay, just cut them out of your life. They're toxic. They're poisonous. Just cut them out. All right, we have to challenge that and say, okay, are you going to see them in Christ? Or are you going to see them in the flesh? Or are you going to see them as they are in Jesus, not as they, as they appear to be? You are forgiven. They are forgiven. Are you willing to forgive them? Are you willing to move past it? We think of siblings. All right. Siblings. Siblings are the worst. All right. We have more dirt on our siblings. All right. When mom and dad went home, like went away, you know, they thought we were angels. We were not. Uh, all right. Are you willing to see them in Christ? If they have put their faith in Christ, they are as perfect as you are as undeserving and as righteous as you are, are you willing to treat them as such? All right, last one. Spouses. Spouses. If they're in Christ, are you willing to see them as in Christ? Yes, they have sinned against you. Yes, they are sinners. Yes, they are broken. Yes, they are awful sometimes. But are you willing to, to forgive them and see them in Christ? See them as Christ would see them in their eternal glory, in their, their renewed state. That's what we're called to do. And that's where we see the power of the gospel because we see how much we don't want to do that. But we want to receive it. All right, that's where there's this, there's this fun line. Um, Once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, but we regard him thus no longer. All right, so Paul is saying, okay, once we used to think about Jesus in the flesh just as, as, he, as he was independent of anything spiritual about him. Now, who is Jesus according to the flesh? All right. He was this guy who was super poor, born in a barn, and then like traveled around the first century saying he was God. They called him on it and then strung him up because of it. He was a fool who is claiming to be God. All right, that's what we think of, of Jesus in the flesh. And we all used to think that about Jesus. We used to treat him like that. Now he says that for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you don't think of him like that anymore. You think of him as, as who he is in the spiritual reality, that he is God. And he didn't just get punished for a crime. No, he is dying for, for our sin. That is the reality. And we have... We no longer think of him as just the flesh. That'd be foolishness. It's me to miss who he is. Conversion is, is changing how you think about Jesus. And Paul is saying that same intensity, that same change needs to happen in how you think about people. That when we look around, we still see people according to the flesh. Independent of Christ. Like they're just one more bag of bones walking around. No, these are glorious beings and, and children of God. 
to change how we think about each other and how we treat one another. Seeing each other in the perfection of Jesus. All right. And, and as a side note, like, that's going to help us change. That's going to help change our relationships. That's going to help change our, our marriages. Help change our relationships with our siblings, with our kids. When you give other people that clean slate, that gives them room to, to grow and to change. Harassing them and shaming them and guilting them, it doesn't work. Giving them this freedom in Jesus works. And it's true. And that's where the, Paul takes us to this, this one last point. And he says, okay, you are a new creation, but the new creation has, has more implications. It turns us into two things. It turns us into reconcilers and ambassadors. Look at verse 18 with me. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation Making his appeal through us, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are reconciles and ambassadors for Christ. So when you go out into the world, you are not called to be the shamer and guilter of the world and just like condemn people with the law. No, don't do that. All right, also, this is a weird evangelism technique, but all of us have tried it. The that maybe I'll just make people really envious of how amazing I am technique. We're just like, you know, I'm just going to be so nice and so loving and so um, like mind-blowingly amazing that at some point they're going to ask, hey, Peter, like you're so awesome. Please tell me your secret. And then we're going to say, actually, it's Jesus. All right, no one has ever asked me that. <laughs> and I know you guys, I'm doubting that anyone's going to ask you that either. Uh, we're just not that impressive. And that's where he's not saying to do that. Instead, he's saying, go be the reconciler. Go tell people, not that like, I'm so amazing, but like the freedom that you have in Jesus. And the fact that like, yes, all my sins have been nailed to the cross and there's a lot of them and I need, I need renewal every second of every day, but it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about what he's done for me the life that he's given me. I am a new creation, not because I did anything, but because he gave it to me. All right, if you're that person, you won't be the like whiny, obnoxious Christian in your circles. Or you'll be like the, the joyful person who wants to give people freedom. And, and the love of God and be reconciled to God that we might call him father and not be ashamed or guilty. We might be ambassadors of the new kingdom. Yeah, that's a happy thing. That's a joyful thing. We should be excited about getting to be that for people because they need it. One last thing. This is just a reminder of what the gospel is. Verse 21. This is a good verse. All right, he's imploring them, be, be reconciled to God. Please be reconciled. I'm pleading you now. I implore you, be reconciled to God. Stop trying to be good. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to, to pay off your sin and your guilt. Just receive Jesus. Put your faith in him. Because, verse 21, 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So we were the sinners, and instead, God made Jesus sin. Not just a sinner. He put all the sin on him. Jesus became sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That in him, we might be the righteousness of God. And it's not just saying like, so that, it doesn't say so that you might go earn your own righteousness. Or that so you might work really hard from now on. Or that you might get your life together and stop sinning so much. No, what does it say? That you might be the righteousness of God. Not even have the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He was the sin. We get to be the righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the trade. He took our sin and he became the sin. We took his righteousness and we became the righteousness. All right, I want us to say it. Say this. Say this. If your faith is in Christ, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. All right, again. I am the righteousness of God. All right, that is your identity. Not I am this like half-baked Christian who tries really hard and isn't very good at it. No, you are the righteousness of God. That righteousness gives you the perfect clean slate. Let, leave everything behind you and move forward towards Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. You don't need anything but him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we think about how much you've done for us, we ask that you would protect our hearts from ever trying to earn it, ever trying to, to work hard to, to buy your favor. You've already given it in Christ. There's nothing to repay. Father, would you help us to repent of our of our sin and our guilt and, and leave all that behind, but you, would you help us even to leave behind our, our fake good works that are not good enough that we might kill the old man and become the new creation. Father, would you give us eyes to, to see Jesus, eyes to see each other as the new creation that they are. And Father, would you send us out as ambassadors and reconcilers telling people that nothing but Jesus gives them this perfect clean slate, perfect righteousness. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you have done the work. Thank you for becoming sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. We pray in his name.